Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Roastmasters Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Ben Mostaller here, and along with me, Garrett Harrison and Doug Klatke has returned. He is with us. We're going to be breaking down the AFC East for you guys tonight. Uh, but before you listen to this, if you haven't listened to our other podcast, we've done an AFC North and AFC South preview for you here on Anchor. You can follow us on RM underscore fantasy football over on Instagram for the latest information. Also on Twitter at roast underscore M pod and uh, go like it, follow us over there. We're also on Google, uh, Google play on the Google podcast, Spotify, and a couple other places. So make sure to share if you love fantasy football as much as we do. Well, we're going to jump right into the AFC East and start with the reigning division champs and the Buffalo Bills. And wow, what a season it was for Josh Allen. What an improvement he made. I know last year we were talking about, can he throw the long ball at something he struggled with? But he was able to find his guys, Stefan Diggs, with no issue. He was fantasy number one, Allen, last year with over 4,500 passing yards, 37 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions something also he added eight rushing touchdowns and one receiving touchdown to the resume you got to throw that in there to be the number one fantasy quarterback right now he's going right behind Mahomes in drafts and Doug we'll start with you your thoughts on Allen's improvement and does he continue to improve is he a reliable top three quarterback in fantasy I think he can't he's definitely a top three quarterback in fantasy going into this season. I think he will be long-term. Uh, the big thing with Josh Allen is, you know, he's a really good passing quarterback, but at the same time, he's able to get it done with his legs. And that is, that's huge. That adds a different dimension to him where, you know, he's still throwing for 250 to 300 a game, but he's going to have, an extra eight to 10 points a game just off of rushing yards. And I find a lot of value in that. Um, I had, I had Allen in one of my leagues last year. I had both him and Stefan Diggs and I won that league rather convincingly um, gave me a really, really nice payout. So um, I mean, the fact that, that the, the team is finally built around Josh Allen means that, Things can only keep going up from here, gentlemen. Yeah, I, I, I really think Josh Allen has potential to stay in that top three, top five for years to come as long as you put the right weapons around him. You know, we saw it last year whenever they got Stefan Diggs and everyone questioned, oh, is this move for Stefan Diggs going to Buffalo and the deep ball that Josh Allen has, you know, is it even worth, you know, picking him up? But we clearly saw that last year. I mean, his game is phenomenal from the, the first two seasons that he had. I, I think he's one of those guys that you definitely reach out for um, if you need a quarterback to begin with. You know, you, you saw he get, gets it done with his legs and he gets done with his arm. Like he's a, he is one of those quarterbacks is it's you just you just have to take a chance on him. Yeah, I agree with you guys. Allen is a quarterback for the future here, as long as he can stay healthy. And, you know, Doug brought up a good point with the receivers there. Stefan Diggs, Garrett, I know last year was higher on Diggs than I think Doug and I both were. And boy, did he pan out to be something special. Last year, he was wide receiver three. He had the most receptions out of all wide receivers in the league, 127 over 1,500 yards, which also was number one, and eight touchdowns. He had fewer touchdowns than uh, some wide receivers. I believe he was in the teens there, which is why he wasn't wide receiver one. But Diggs is still there. They also had a guy named Emmanuel Sanders, who we're familiar with, former Steeler, former Saint. He had 726 yards last year and five touchdowns on 61 receptions. He comes up to Buffalo and they still got a guy named Cole Beasley who surprisingly last year, 82 receptions right over right under a thousand yards receiving and four touchdowns, which helped him get wide receiver 29. So 
he's got the weapons. Not much of a change there. When we're looking at the ADP right now, Beasley is going wide receiver 50, which is something that I think would be interesting still to draft, even with adding Emmanuel Sanders, because last year, 82 receptions, four touchdowns, even if he goes down a little bit in the 10th or 11th round, why not take a guy like Beasley? Especially when you guys guys got like uh, Jalen Rager, Mike Williams around there. Uh, and Sanders isn't even being drafted in leagues right now. So uh, somebody may be off of waivers, guys. But uh, Beasley, if he is their uh, wide receiver too in the 10th and 11th round, what do you think about those two? I know we, we know Diggs is going to be going here probably in the second round, uh, if not higher for some. Garrett, we'll start with you. Your thoughts on the wide receiver core outside of the obvious pick of Stefan Diggs. Oh, outside of the, the of Stefan Diggs? Dude, he, I think they have one of the best receiving cores in, in the game. Um, and Josh Allen just he spreads the ball out so nice. So I think you don't go wrong with taking um like you know the the deeper depth of the red receiver core just because you know he throws the ball a lot and which means that other receivers are gonna get more chances at the ball. So definitely, definitely shoot for the stars and, and take a chance on Cole Beasley, you know, not early in drafts, but I go for him later. Because you know he's going to get looks. You know he's going to get the receptions in it for a PPR league. And the dude seems to score. I mean, I don't know how many touchdowns he had exactly last year, but he gets it through the end zone. Um, I, but, yeah, one of the, Sanders, uh, it's kind of it's iffy. I mean, I would still take a chance, but if you said that he's not even being drafted in leagues right now, that's a little questionable. And I think, like you said, it's one of those things that you should probably wait for waivers maybe to figure it out. See, see who's the guy, or even just wait till after preseason. You know, that's why that's why we have preseason. That's why most people, that's why you guys should draft after the preseason, just so you can see what's going on in those games. You know, and I really think take this, watch those, and then figure out where Emmanuel Sanders falls on that team. Yeah, I think that we have to wait until preseason season to uh determine this but if i were to make a prediction i would lean more towards emmanuel sanders um i think that he really fits josh allen's style um you know we we've known for years that sanders is a really good raw possession guy and that's something that josh allen's gonna love having as probably a slot receiver i'd imagine uh so it's gonna be it's going to be great to see what him and Allen can do this season. Yeah, they add the addition of Sanders. Otherwise, you got the same crew coming back with Beasley and Diggs. Uh, you know, their value is where it stands as far as where to draft them. As far as Allen, you know, you're going to want to take them there probably in the top three. Not too early. You never want to draft quarterbacks too early in fantasy. But he's going to be worth it. I had him in one league last year and he was fantastic Diggs, He's going to be going early and he's going to get the looks even with Sanders and Beasley on the team. Uh, you know, he takes even a smaller cut of receptions. He still gets over a hundred receptions. He's still going to be a top five fantasy wide receiver. So the ADP is there. The value is there. You draft them where they're supposed to go. You're uh, not going to be disappointed. And uh, I think you do take a risk on Beasley as a flex play there in the later rounds. Uh, they have Dawson Knox, 288 yards, three touchdowns in 12 games last year. Uh, they use him very slim, but uh, he's there. They also had have Jacob Hollister, former Seattle Seahawk. And uh, we don't know how much looks they're going to get, mainly because of the wide receiver core and Josh Allen liking to run the ball. And with him running the ball, it takes away from their running game, and they don't really have that great of a running back. Devin Singletary has yet to prove in himself over the last few years. He was running back 36 last year with only two touchdowns on 687 yards rushing on the ground. You take a look at Allen. I mean, he just destroyed 
those numbers there, uh, eight to two touchdowns there, just a big difference from your quarterback to your running back. Not somebody I'm looking at drafting, but Zach Moss is also on the team. He had ankle surgery, so he's looking to return from that. Is there any value in the running game this year, Doug, out of this team, or are you solely relying on Allen to do all the footwork for him? I mean, I think I would solely rely on Josh Allen simply because there's so much uncertainty surrounding both running backs. Um, obviously, Zach Moss looked okay as a power back, had a lot of high draft upside going into drafts last season, but coming off that surgery, that might be a tough, that might be a tough sell for me as a uh, fantasy owner to consider drafting him. And, you know, Devin Singletary, even though he's a decent um, receiving back, he is very inconsistent. It reminds me, he reminds me a lot of Tariq Cohen where he popped off pretty decently for a year and regressed back to the means and hasn't been the same since. Oh, I like, I like that comparison. Singletary to Cohen. I, I can agree with that. I can really, I think it's one of those, these running backs are, it's iffy. Um, I mean, I'm sure they're going to go off the board, but when they do, I, it's, I hope it's not early. I really hope it's not early because even though like Doug said, Singletary is a great out of the field backfield catcher and stuff, you know, he's, he, he has moments where he's, he's flawed. And I don't think he, I think he needs to step that part of his game up a little bit more because his running game, I mean, just because he's a smaller back isn't uh, anything amazing. I mean, it's good, but it's not, it's not great. But for, for PPR leagues, you know, you want a deep, deep back that, you know, who could be a starter, you know, or stuff like that. You take a chance on um, Singletary, but yeah, I, I think he's one of those guys you just got, you got to wait a little bit. Yeah, there's a big drop off and we kind of talked about this in the last episode that, once you get past your first round guys, second round guys, there's a huge drop off and there's some players we discussed the Jaguars last episode that aren't going until seventh, eighth round as starting running backs. Same with Houston, uh, David Johnson right now, 10th round. So there's a huge drop off. There's some good wide receivers that you want to grab early, but uh, there's, going to be some starting running backs later in drafts than most years that, that you could still snag. And there's a reason for that because they just aren't producing. So you want to make sure that you get some running backs early, but know that there are some starters that are going to be going later. And I expect that out of Singletary uh, as well as Moss, if he's even being drafted to for Buffalo because of uh, the value of Josh Allen in the running game and, that's why you draft Josh Allen so early. And that's why you want him as your quarterback one. And you want Diggs as your wide receiver one and take Beasley as a flex. I think he has some higher wide receiver two value and their defense top 10. So draft them if they are available last year, they go 13 and three, we predicted 10 and six. So a couple games off this year, they go. What do you think, Garrett? Uh, 13 and four or 14 and three, uh, 13 and four. I'll go 13 and four. I think, uh, they're, they're going to get as many as wins this year, but I think they, I think this year, um, they, they lose a couple key games that they won last year. I, I think in those games, I think they, they, uh, they fall on those ones, but yeah, 13 and four, I think is a, it's a pretty decent record for them. Yeah, I'm going to go 14 and three. Um, this team obviously got better over the winter by adding Emmanuel Sanders. And I think, you know, Josh Allen coming in, being a year older, having more experience under his belt, is only going to help this team even more than where they're already at. Yeah, I, I agree with Garrett, 13 and four. Doug, I, I, they could easily go the 14 and three, but I was safer with going 13 and four when looking at the schedule. And honestly, they don't have much change from last year. So, I don't think that uh, goes against them, and uh, they will, I think, easily win this division. But somebody that will be a little bit behind them is the Miami Dolphins, who have much improved over the years. And 
this year they're going with Tua. He is the starter. Fitzpatrick now is with the football team. And we saw a glimpse of Tua last year. He played in 10 games, 11 touchdowns, five interceptions. Got a bit better, but he also ran for three touchdowns in those 10 games. And uh, in, in my opinion, I think he could be compared to last year's Josh Allen to this year as a guy that makes that big time step up. Uh, Doug, or actually, let's start with Garrett on this one. Garrett, what are your thoughts on Tua? Does he break off this year, or where do you, where do you see his value this year? Man, I I I want Tua to be good so bad, but he had glimmers of hope last year in some games, and then he had glimmers of you know, I guess almost like rookie mistakes, which you're gonna expect that you know. But whenever they put Fitzpatrick in. You know, you saw him come up, step up his game, and he the dude was just balling out. I hope Tua learned a lot from Fitzpatrick to the point that he comes out and plays, you know, really well because this team has, I think, potential to even steal the division from Buffalo because they're they're really good on defense. They have the receiving core. They mean the offensive line. Like they're they're all the team's there. They just got to click together, you know. And I think taking Tua. Wouldn't take him high in drafts, but I wouldn't wait forever on him. I think it, he's going to be, I think for me, he's more in the middle of the draft. If you need a quarterback and you see him there, even as a backup, you know, I wouldn't start him as a backup. I think I'd take a chance on him. I think he'll have a pretty decent year with everybody, everyone around him. If he get, even with the off season, if, as long as they're clicking with his wide receivers. Yeah, I really think of Tua as one of my big sleepers for fantasy football this year. I think that he's um, bound to pop off. Um, You know, obviously he has a lot of good weapons around him and the Dolphins have done really, really good at building around him as quickly as they can. Obviously had a lot of higher end draft picks recently and that's helped them a lot. Um, You know, Basically, shout out to the Houston Texans for being absolutely god-awful since they trade for Laramie Tunsil. I see Tua having huge upside this year if you're going to draft him. Um, Right now, he's going quarterback 15, right around Trevor Lawrence and Matt Stafford. And I like him better than both of those guys this year. We saw a glimpse of them again, like Garrett said, some good, some bad, but there is enough there that I think uh, he can improve this off season. And uh, with the COVID year probably didn't help. I think with the weapons he has too, that we talk about this year, I think that he has a lot of upside and that that's somebody you should look at maybe not to start, but as a backup, I, I think there's nothing wrong with drafting Tua. I think that he could easily be in the top 10 and be a breakout player like Allen was last year if he can uh, improve. And it also helps that they add two guys, one he's familiar with that they drafted and Jalen Waddle, who they took six overall. And they also added Will Fuller uh, from the Texans. He's going to miss the first game due to some performance enhancing drugs that he got caught with last year. So he'll be out the opening game, but he'll be there. So you got Fuller, you got Waddle, and you can't forget about Devontae Parker, who last year, only four touchdowns. He was all right, but now you got a good trio there. A guy that he threw to last year, uh, Jalen Waddle. I'm losing my voice here. Uh, Jalen Waddle, who he's familiar with in college. And Will Fuller, who has been proven to be a pretty good average wide receiver. So what do you think of this trio, Doug, knowing that he has this too as well? I assume that he does improve from that. But uh, the addition of Waddle is very interesting. And maybe you can touch on the draft a little bit, uh, since I think a lot of people are surprised they didn't go uh, Lyman there to protect Tua. Uh, But... And when we look at Waddle, he only had five touchdown average in his last three years at Alabama. So he wasn't 
you know, the touchdown guy. What do you see out of this wide receiver core, uh, especially with the new addition of Waddle and Fuller? I think it's a really good uh, receiving core to have surrounding a young quarterback. You know, you have the seasoned veteran, Devontae Parker, obviously Jalen Waddle, who's somebody who has worked with Tua before. And, you know, you said Will Fuller, right? Or, let's see. Um, I mean, they're, they're really loaded. Um, obviously, I do agree, Ben, talking about the draft a bit because, you know, they do need to protect Tua. Um, everybody thought they were going to take Sewell from Oregon, um, but then they kind of went off the board a little bit or just out of the ordinary and took um, Jalen Waddle. But I, I completely understand it. Um, I think that, you know, him and Tua have chemistry together already. Um, it's a good thing, you know. And obviously they still have that tight end who's pretty good that we're probably going to talk about here momentarily. I think I think with the wide receiver additions, I think now he has a lot of deep ball threat options now on that team, which also opens up a lot of you know short dump offs to Waddle or Parker or even Fuller, whoever's not going deep on that route. And like Doug just mentioned, you know, I'm sure we're going to talk about it here in a second, but. Kaseki, I think this dude has a lot. He last year I thought he was popping off, you know, even though I think he only had like 700 and some yards and only six touchdowns with like 50 some receptions. I think he still, I think, with adding those weapons now, and you don't just have those two guys that were getting covered, Parker and Kaseki, last year. Now I think this opens it up for a whole new playing field. The ball can go anywhere, and you can trust all four of these guys, even. If even if they have other depth in the positions too, like I, I think, I think they'll be fine. I think you're fine with drafting any of these guys. Um, just know when the right time to draft them, you know, is the thing. And I don't know how high I would go up on some of them. I think you're still looking at the the, the fourth to fifth round, maybe maybe an early like a late third. But it's one of those things you just gotta play by ear when you're when you're drafting. Yeah, let's touch on Gasicki that you bring it up. And an interesting stat here, and, and Garrett, you're right, 704 yards, six touchdowns, which was good for tight end six. But something interesting, when Mike Gasicki played with Tua, he had four of those six touchdowns. So that is something to look at there. All but two were from Tua there. So um that is a good stat what's very interesting as well is he's going as tight end 11 and he finished six I think there's higher upside there with Tua so I I mean it, it sounds like Garrett and you can answer this uh, before Doug that Gasicki is somebody that's might be a little underrated in drafts this year with at tight end 11 might get fantastic value out of Man, they only got him at tight end eleven. That's kind of that's kind of messed up. I honestly, I think I'd take him a lot. I take him over a couple of tight ends. Honestly, I mean, with him being if 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 that's that with Tua having four touchdowns to him, that means Tua trusts Kaseki and he loves throwing to him. That this dude has potential by the end of the year, if the season goes well for him, to be in the top five tight. If not, he could even be in the top three. And I'm not going to go that far. I'm not going to be that optimistic, but I will say in the top five. Yeah, I really think that uh, Mike Gusecki is going to pop off this year finally. Um, I feel like I've been saying this literally every single summer we've been doing this thing that he's going to pop off, going to pop off, going to pop off. But I hope to God that this year is the year that him and Tua get something going. They make magic happen because. Mike Gesicki is an incredible tight end. Um, you know, Ben and I both know this because we're both big Penn State guys. I'm a bigger Penn State guy than what I lead on. But um, 
honestly, man, I really hope he pops off. I think that him being tight end 11 could be a great value pick in it in drafts for fantasy owners. And if I, if I myself are making the decisions, I'm really just penciling, like circling Mike Gusecki being like, all right, that might be my guy. That that's going to have to be my guy at some point. So that's where I'm at with Mike Gusecki. Yeah, at that value and and Garrett, uh, knowing this, I think, uh, you know, last year, me and you were fighting over Justin Jefferson. This might be a guy that we're fighting over. I I think the value will be there uh, in an auction league, especially if they're saying tight end 11, that you can get him for a few bucks and he can go off as a top five tight end. The drop off of tight ends, and we discuss this every year, is massive once you go past your top three or four it's kind of just random picking so once one tight end goes off you see a lot of tight ends go off the board then because they don't want to get stuck with the drop off but if in that drop off is Mike Gesicki and there's better value from where these tight ends start to go Kelsey Kittle Waller then I'm okay with that. I'm fine with staying away a little bit, drafting a better wide receiver or running back where those tight ends are going and veering towards a guy like Mike Gesicki. I would be thrilled to have him there. And I just love the stat that almost all of his touchdowns came from uh, Tua. They have a connection already. And I think the the concern with Gesicki is, that they add two good wide receivers and Waddle and Fuller that will take the targets away. But as a red zone threat, Gasicki's the guy to go to. And this is the year that he can improve. I think that even if he has the numbers that he has from last year, that, you know, again, still tight end six, a guy that you'll get good value out of. So watch out for Mike Gasicki sleeper pick here, especially coming from, uh, the tight end 11 spot currently uh, for his ADP. So we'll f- go quickly over the running back spot, and that's Miles Gaskins. Last year, running back 27, 584 yards, three touchdowns. He also had two receiving touchdowns on 41 receptions. Uh, Doug, what are your thoughts on Gaskins? Right now, it looks like he's running back 22 with his ADP. Uh, they've had issues over the years at the running back spot. Is he somebody that you are liking this year? I wouldn't say that he's somebody that I like. I think that he's somebody that, you know, I might take late in the draft to have on my bench because there's potential he might pop off. But, you know, we'll have to wait and see with Miles Gaskin and, you're right, Ben. It feels like the uh, Dolphins haven't really had a consistent running back ever since they let Jay go. Yeah, he, um, like Doug said, he's not one of those guys where I'm shooting for. <laughs> but like you said, it, it's one of those guys you could take it as a backup, you know, or a flex player one week if you needed, a, you know, somebody in there to get you points, to get you by. But um, I don't know. I think you just got to play it. got to play it slow with him. Here's an issue I have with Gaskins and a reason that I probably won't take him at his ADP. I think his ADP is okay, but it's not where I would draft him. Uh, Last year, he had close to 20 attempts rushing each game, and he only had 584 yards off of that. So he's not getting the yards. He also had four to six targets per game in the passing game yet only two receiving touchdowns. Um, And he never had a game where he rushed for over 100 yards on those 20 attempts. So he doesn't get many yards there. I think right around his ADP, there's guys like David Montgomery, Chris Carson that are being drafted. I'd definitely rather have Montgomery over Gaskins at this time, and I could argue Carson as well. Uh, So I don't know. And and they do have Malcolm Brown on the team now, former Rams. So I could see uh, Malcolm Brown taking some carries away from Gaskins, especially if he is not producing as he should have last year with the attempt. So kind of a guy, I agree with you guys that I'm shying away from. Uh, but if he drops a little bit, 
from that ADP, you know, somebody as a starter that what the heck, maybe I'll throw on my team because maybe he does improve. We know that the touches are there. So uh, maybe he's somebody you want to draft. Uh, but overall, defense, wow, they improved. Top five last year. Uh, they used to be one of the worst. They really upped that defense, which helped them to a 10 and six record. We predicted seven and nine. So we were three off with the Bills. We're three off with the Dolphins as well. Uh, but this year, Doug, what do you think record-wise for these Dolphins? I'm going to drop a surprise and say that they go 10 and 7. Um, I think that they're really going to take a step forward this year and that two is going to go off. This is a playoff team for me. Guaranteed playoff team for me, at least in my opinion. And I'm going with 12. And five, because I have high hopes for this team. <laughs> wow, 12 and five. Okay, Garrett. I, I like it. I have them uh, at nine and eight, so more close to Doug. But uh, if if they play like they should, I mean, they have a dominant offense. Tua, if he steps up like Josh Allen did last year, he's got the receivers. He's got the tight end. Uh, he can run the ball and their defense is good. I could see that record at 12 and five. So not a long shot there, but uh, an interesting team to watch this year. I think they definitely improve and the Dolphins could be a fun team to watch this year. So let's move on to the Patriots who used to be the team to watch and now really isn't. And let's start with their interesting wide receiver core before we drop to uh, the terrible Cam Newton. Let's start on a plus note where maybe there's a, a plus and their wide receiver core consists of Jacoby Myers right now at wide receiver one. He was only able to uh, get two touchdowns or he threw actually for two touchdowns last year, zero receiving touchdowns. That's kind of an interesting stat. He almost did just as good as Cam Newton uh, in the air, uh, but he did have 59 receptions, 729 yards, uh, two interesting pickups for the team at wide receiver, Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. Bourne with two touchdowns last year. Aguilar popped off eight touchdowns, 896 yards for the Raiders, finished wide receiver 10. They got Nikhil Harry as well. So they have a lot of wide receivers. The issue is, can Cam get him the ball? We'll touch on the tight ends too while we talk about the receiving core. They add Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith to the team. Johnny Smith last year, eight touchdowns, which was fourth best out of the tight ends. Uh, he did finish tight end nine. Hunter Henry, four touchdowns last year. So there's weapons there. We'll start with Garrett. Any of these weapons that really stand out to you? I mean, it looks like there's talent there and potential talent, but Cam Newton looks like the start as of now. We'll get into that in a couple of minutes. Uh, but let's just briefly discuss uh, this wide receiver core. Who do you like? Oh, man, that's <laughs> that's a tough one. Um, honestly, I didn't really like much of the receiver core last year. I think they kind of let me down. But it's also at the same time, who could you have throwing the ball to last year, you know? Um, probably two of, two of the guys that I'd be keeping on my watch list uh, would be Hunter Henry or John New Smith, just because I think they that you could really use them very well. I think we're going to be going back to the – like the, the days whenever you had Gronk and Aaron Hernandez, I think here, we could see that, that that would be huge for that. Cause think about this. Now you got linebackers having to cover two good tight ends and then really spreading the ball out with their other wide receivers. I, I mean, let's hope for potential that this team can really turn it around a lot, especially in the passing game. But I don't, honestly, I, for receivers wise, I don't know who I'd pick besides the two tight ends. Yeah, I'm with Garrett. Um, it's tight end heavy uh, in New England. Um, I think that there's a lot more value in their tight ends than um, there normally would be because of uh, how well Cam Newton's able to utilize the tight end position whenever he's fully on his game. Um, and, you know, if it so happens that Cam Newton's not the guy and Mac Jones comes out of camp and 
or at some point in the year and ends up playing quarterback, he's going to be relying on Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith a lot to help bail him out and help make that transition uh, period into the NFL much easier on him than what it could potentially be. Yeah, there's a lot of potential here. I mean, the safe pick, I agree, are the tight ends because we know what they can do. But a sneaky pick that could potentially be a wide receiver one uh, would be uh, Nelson Aguilar, in my opinion. You know, he goes off for the Raiders last year. He finished wide receiver 20, and now he's being drafted as wide receiver 60 in the 14th round. So normally when you're drafting your defenses and kickers, you could still get great, great value out of Aguilar. Uh, somebody that I'd feel comfortable taking there because I think there's a lot of upside. But the big question is, again, can Cam Newton get him the ball if that's who it is? Or is it Mac Jones? And as of now, Cam Newton, but we're just starting camps. Anything could change. Cam Newton last year, not a guy that you wanted. Only eight passing touchdowns. And he had 10 interceptions. What a sad number there. But he did end up finishing quarterback 16. And this is because 12 rushing touchdowns, which led the NFL in rushing touchdowns as far as a quarterback. He also had 592 yards on the ground. That was good for third. So uh, this year, I believe that, you know, Cam, if he can get that arm going, I, we see what he can do on the ground. Quarterback 16, just a little improvement would get him closer to a top 10 quarterback. But, guys, he's not even being drafted. Quarterback 27. So, Garrett, touch on Cam Newton here. What do you think? Is he somebody that you might pay attention to on the waiver wire if he can improve the passing game? Oh, yeah, I definitely keep my eyes on him on the waiver wire. But like you said, he's not a guy that I'd take. You know, you got to you have to figure out uh, – <clears throat> how he's going to play first. And if he takes a big step forward from last year, maybe it was just the, 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 you know, the system that he was in, he wasn't used to it. Maybe that's why he played so bad, but let's just hope I'm hoping for a bounce back year for him. Cause he's, he's one of those guys that will get you mad points when he's popping on. So it, I definitely, definitely keep an eye on him. Yeah, I really like the idea of taking a wait-and-see approach with Cam Newton. Um, I know that he did struggle last year, and he hasn't really been him, been the same Cam Newton for quite some time now. But, you know, if he does string together some games, get some confidence going, the dude is still one of the most freakish athletes in the NFL. And – you know, if he's able to string some games together and him and Bill are able to get a game plan going that works for him, um, I like him as a waiver wire pickup. I really do. I think that, you know, if you get into some trouble or you need a backup quarterback or somebody gets hurt, pick Cam up and he might be able to do some big things for you. Yeah, again, Cam has that potential. I mean, years back, we've seen him been able to do it. We hope that he wouldn't have to rush the ball as much this year, but if he can just slightly improve uh, that passing game, I mean, he's right there, a top 10 quarterback. If he dramatically improves in the passing game and can still rush the ball, you're talking about a top five quarterback. I'm not going that high on Cam Newton. I don't think that's happening. But again, that's all he has to do to become a top 10, top five fantasy quarterback. And a guy that's not even being drafted, somebody that I am not going to be drafting but definitely a guy that I'm keeping my eyes on. So it's always hard to draft a running back from New England. And the last couple of years, it's been tough because they usually go with a couple. And it really doesn't help that Cam is their pretty much number one running back on the team. Right now, they list Damian Harris as their running back one. He had right under 700 yards, two touchdowns in 10 games last year, followed by Sonny Michelle, who had two total touchdowns in nine games. James White also produced three total touchdowns guys. I'm not really comfortable drafting any of these running backs at all. And uh, it seems like that's a consistent thing as we talk about the AFC East. Uh, but Doug, any value in these running backs, especially knowing that cam is pretty much the running back. 
The only one I would potentially find value in would be James White as a bench option for a PPR league. But beyond that, I wouldn't really touch any of these running backs. Um, I feel like Sony Michelle has been very overhyped over the past several years. I feel like every year it's like, oh, he's going to be a top fantasy running back. He's going to be a really high value guy. He never really ends up producing anything. So I think the safest bet would probably just to be let most to, is probably to just throw the, these three guys to the side. And again, just look at them on the waiver wire. If uh, trends go upward with one of them, potentially pick one of them up. And, and that's exactly it. That's all it is, is trends. That's all it is, tre- is trends with these running backs. You know, one, one of them has a great game. The next week, they don't. And then it's a, it's a new running back. And then you, you just keep going in a circle. And it's just like, dude, you can't have this whenever you're drafting running backs for your team. And that's why I, I, I drafted Tony Michelle one year. But I drafted James White one year. Didn't do anything spectacular. But like you said, Doug, if you're going to take any of these players, I think it would be James White just because of his receiving, how good of a receiver he is and how good he is in the open field when after catching the ball. So I, I, I would stay very far away, very far away from the new running backs. Yeah. I mean, at one point, Sonny Michelle was going pretty high up there in drafts, but uh, he declines and a lot of it's due to Cam Newton and him just wanting to run the ball. Uh, so their defense, they declined last year to their defense 12. I know they were top defense the last few years but last year they were just average uh but let's talk about our predictions of the record last year they go seven and nine we predicted eight and eight so we were on with that prediction only one off uh this year i am going seven and ten i think that they kind of stay average i think there is high upside there to do a little bit better if cam gets better but Right now, I'm comfortable going with what I saw out of last year and with their schedule. I think they go 7-10. and 10. Garrett, back to you. Your thoughts on their record? I think 7-10 and 10 is, a, is a good choice on record. Um, I, I, you know, you want to see them do, do better. You want to see Cam do better a little bit. But at the same time, I'm not a big Patriots fan. So I kind of hope they go for a 7-10 and 10 record. Yeah, I really like the 7-10 and 10 number. Um, you know, this is a team that's at a crossroads. Obviously, they may have their next franchise guy in Mac Jones, but, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done in terms of retooling this Patriots team post-Tom Brady. For sure. Well, one more team to go, guys, and that is the New York Jets and They're going all in. They trade away Sam Darnold to the Panthers, and they end up drafting Zach Wilson out of BYU. And Zach Wilson had an incredible 2020 season uh, for BYU, 33 touchdowns and only three interceptions. But the big question will be, how will he fare in the NFL? BYU, not really competitive when they play teams in the NCAA Right now, he's not even being drafted in league's quarterback 26. Uh, Doug, what are your thoughts on Zach Wilson? I like the player, but I'm not really sure how he's going to adapt to the NFL. You know, he reminds me a lot of, you know, the prototypical electrifying college quarterback who comes out, out of college, has a high draft grade, gets drafted high usually a first round pick, maybe a top 10 guy and they don't really pan out, you know, but I'm excited for him. I hope he pans out because he's electric. You know, he has a lot of Johnny Manziel type instincts in him. Uh, And you guys know, I love that in a quarterback. So hopefully he pans out, but as of right now for this year, I would not draft him until he proves something otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the pickup. I like how they're, you know, trying to rebuild the team because I feel like they've been rebuilding since they drafted Sam Darnold because it doesn't really never done anything. But, you know, I, yeah, like Doug said, I, it'd, be, it'd be really cool to see, you know, him come out 
just like he played like electrifying in college, you know, but let's just not hope he goes down the path that Johnny Manziel did. Let's hope he has the, the football skills like Johnny Manziel, but doesn't go down the, the road that our good old fella Johnny Manziel went down. Yeah, there, it, it's just a uh, wait and see uh, with Wilson. Uh, he doesn't really have much to work with either. They do add Corey Davis, though, from the Titans. Five touchdowns last year, right under 1,000 yards, which was good for wide receiver 27 from the Titans. Uh, he will also take the lead role away from Denzel Mims, who had zero touchdowns last year in nine games. A lot of people were high on Mims, but he didn't produce at all. Uh, Jameson Crowder is on the team, wide receiver 36 last year, right under 700 yards, six touchdowns. Take a look at the ADP right now. Corey Davis, wide receiver 45, going somewhere in the ninth, 10th round. I think an interesting pick from this, if I'm drafting any wide receiver, might be Jameson Crowder because right now he's going right in the last round, wide receiver 62. So when you have one of those, like, kind of whatever picks, maybe Crowder. Uh, will be the guy to go with. He had six touchdowns last year, and for a last-round pick, it wouldn't be bad. At tight end, Chris Herndon, three touchdowns last year. Not really sure of his value this year, but Garrett. Uh, the wide receiver core is okay, but it, it's not definitely near what they have up in Buffalo or down in Miami. I know you're a Titans fan. Corey Davis coming. What can he bring to this Jets team? I think you add more depth, you know, you, you, you get a better player than what you had before. Um, but, and again, it comes down to is, is Wilson going to be able to get them the ball? How is he going to play with him there? You know, it's, it's all those things. Corey Davis. Yes. Take a chance on him. Cause you know, he's probably going to get the looks and everything, but shooting for a Jets receiver right now, I don't think is it should be in anybody's, you know, list of players to draft uh, I think it's like you said you're going to wait to see how Wilson plays I think you should wait to see how some of these you know wide receivers play and who he's going to throw to more than usual yeah I think that there needs to be more of a wait and see approach with these wide receivers but I do agree with Ben if I do get into the last rounds of the draft and Jameson Crowder's still out there I'm taking him um, just taking the flyer on him really good bench guy uh, really good guy to have on your bench. And, um, you know, just like some of the people we've been talking about throughout this episode, he's good for a pop-off game every once in a blue moon. So uh, there's value in him because he can string two or three really good games together. And after that's over, you can probably cash out on him and trade somehow if your friends that you're playing fantasy football with are as crazy as our friends are. <laughs> good point Doug and yeah I agree with Crowder as far as the the potential there in the last round uh we don't really know who's going to come out as the top wide receiver because we got two new faces there and we got a new quarterback that has never thrown to these guys before so a potential preseason look possibly from Wilson to see who he likes who he's targeting could definitely make a change and who you might draft, but right now uh, I'm shying away besides maybe a late round flyer in the last round on Jameson Crowder. So we've consistently talked about how poor the running backs are in the AFC East, and they're really not that great for the Jets either. Le'Veon Bell is not on the team anymore. They get Tevin Coleman from the 49ers, and they also have Ty Johnson, who uh, played for them last year, and he had two total touchdowns last year, 254 yards. Tevin Coleman uh, struggled last year. Neither running back I'm looking to draft. And another probably uh, out of the three teams that you're not going to be drafting any of the running backs. And if you do, it's going to be coming in later rounds as I discuss how big the drop-off is. Doug, your thoughts briefly on these two running backs. You know, I just think that there's just like you said, they're, they're guys that you avoid. Um, this division's a very underwhelming division at that position, running back specifically. And, you know, try and avoid these guys as much as you can. Don't take stock in them because odds are you're going to get burnt. 
And the last thing we want is to see you guys and our listeners get burnt. Yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) You you can say, you know, the AFC East, but this team in general was so bad last year that they don't even know how to lose. You know, they all they had to do was lose every game, but somehow they beat the Rams and they blew getting their one draft pick. So I think that shapens up the whole draft. Now you get Trevor Lawrence instead of Zach, you know, instead of Wilson. And it's just like, I don't know, dude. I don't even know if you should even draft anybody on this team, to be completely honest. I think it's one of those things you just got to wait and, and ride with it. And I, and I strongly believe that I will not. And I'll mark my words, if it comes down to it, it'd be a bench player, but I will not have a starting or even anywhere on my team a Jets player. And I think I, I think you guys should sit and wait too. I, if, if, at, at all costs, please listen to us. Do not have a starting Jets player on your team or I will come to your house and I will destroy everything about your computer or self, sell your device. Wow, an angry Garrett here. Uh, yeah, uh, in that case, uh, maybe I don't even draft Crowder in the last pick, uh, the way that Garrett's talking. But yeah, Jets, not good fantasy value out of really anybody. Uh, it's kind of a wait and see. So the defense is definitely somebody you'd never want to want to draft. Their defense is horrendous. Uh, they will be on the bench uh, for uh, everybody. They'll be on the waivers. I don't see anybody pick them up. But Last year, two and 14 guys, we gave them a six and 10. We were so generous for the jets last year and they completely blew it. Doug two and 14 last year. Do they improve at all with a lot of new additions this year? I don't think they do. Um, You know, this is still the same jets, man. One of the most incompetent organizations in professional sports. And I don't think that's going to change. You know, they basically have it set up where Zach Wilson has to come in and be a savior. And I don't know if he's going to be able to handle that. So I think we do. I'd say we stick with it. We do two and 15. Yeah. Two, two and 15, unless Jesus Christ comes back and uh, helps that team. Uh, I think even with Jesus on the field, you still go uh, four and 13. That team is so bad and so terribly coached it's there's uh, they, they need a lot of work they need a lot of work yeah i i wrote down two and 15 as well when i was getting ready for the podcast and uh that's being generous in my opinion i i could see him winning none with this team i could see him winning one but two is max that i see for him so uh the jets definitely not a team you want to be watching this year well that's afc east for you guys We got the AFC West coming this week as well. Before we jump over to the NFC, make sure to follow us on our social media platforms on Instagram, RM underscore fantasy football. And over on Twitter, it is roast underscore M pod. I want to thank Garrett Harrison, Doug Glatke for joining me as always. And hopefully we could help you out in some way. And if you take one thing away from this, don't draft a running back out of the AFC East. All right, guys, we'll see you with our AFC West preview later this week. In the meantime, you guys have a good one.